If you've not already done so, I'd encourage you to grab one of our um, flyers, lots of information, lots of stuff going on in the life of our church, more than we can or really should try to tell you about in a space like this. So we hope you'll pick one of those up. Just a reminder, next week's our last Sunday uh, for the summertime in our evening service. We, for a long time, have been watching and kind of discerning what was happening with this evening service. And it was how we started as a church, actually, going back over 20 years ago. So it's kind of been a part of our culture since the very beginning. And we have a suspicion that something new may emerge in the fall with this space on Sunday night. But before we rush to that, we are making a decision just to hit pause for the summertime. Um, we're short a number of staff people, but it's not really just that. Part of it is acknowledging our limits, and part of it is wondering about what God might be doing in a new season in this space. So before we get to new, we're going to pause. So I want to ask you, um, if you can at all, to just join us and enfold into one of our two morning services. They're not different in content than this. They're in a bigger room, um, but it's the same people doing the same stuff, and we hope you'll join us on, on Sunday morning. Next week will be our last Sunday uh, for the summertime. Katie, Katie's been a fellow, um, a fellow. It just sounds so fancy. Katie, before she came to us a year ago, um, was involved with Young Life, and it's been a real joy to walk alongside Katie and get to know her. She is um, well into her degree at Fuller, and I just believe this woman has a gift with the Bible, and I'm really excited for you to hear what the Lord's put on her heart. So Katie, thanks for being with us tonight, for sharing from the, from the scripture with us. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate the welcome. Like Chris said, my name is Katie and I'm wrapping up my fellow year here, but I've actually been going to Trinity for almost five years now. And it's been a place where I have learned and grown so much. So to get to be here tonight with all of you really is a gift. As is our rhythm here at Trinity, we're going to read the Bible together and we're going to pray and see what the Lord has for us. So if you have Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. And as you're flipping there, I want to remind us that we are, we're in the season of Easter. If you've been around Trinity the last couple weeks, you've heard us talk about how Easter isn't just one day. It's this 50-day celebration of feasting and celebrating. And my hope is that you've gotten a chance in one way or another to celebrate in this season. And I love that at Trinity, we've been reading through the book of Acts this Easter season. Because the book of Acts is all about the early disciples in the early church trying to figure out what does it look like to live in light of the resurrection of Jesus? What does it look like to live as resurrected people? What does it look like to live now that the Holy Spirit has come? And I think for us in this Easter season, it's a similar invitation to ask those questions. What does it look like for me what does it look like for you that Jesus rose from the dead? Because that has to matter, right? It has to affect our lives and how we live together. And my hope is that as we read through this passage in Acts, we can get uh, more of a glimpse into this resurrection life. So we're going to begin in verse 1. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, 
being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice from heaven answered, what God, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are thankful for this space. We're thankful that we get to gather and sit under your word. Holy Spirit, we're thankful for stories that maybe seem a little strange. But Holy Spirit, we believe that you are, you are here and you are moving through this text. And we just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So our passage today, we pick up almost in the middle of Acts. And a lot has happened in the book of Acts so far. Jesus has ascended. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has fallen. Saul became Paul at the road to Damascus. There's been a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of movement. And I think when we get to a story like we have today, we're, and we actually get the kind of abridged version. This is Peter retelling a story that's told in full in chapter 10. So if you want a story with all the details, you can go back a chapter and read it. But here we hear Peter tell this story. And I think because there's the hustle and bustle of Acts and it's kind of a weird story. There's a sheet of animals and it's easy just for us to move through and move past quickly. But what I know is that this was a story that was monumental in the life of the church. And I think it's worth us slowing down and moving through together. So that's my hope for tonight is that we can walk through this text together. And then I have a few things that stood out to me that I wanna share. So our passage begins with the disciples in Jerusalem. They catch wind that the Gentiles have accepted the word of God. And this news that they are receiving is not good news for them because Jews and Gentiles, they don't eat together. They surely don't share the same faith. They surely don't share the same spirit. So this is bad news. And, and Peter comes, and I can imagine Peter coming with this good news, and he's get, getting ready to tell the people and is immediately met with criticism, is immediately met with hostility. 
why did you go eat with uncircumcised men? And I don't know about you guys, if you've ever had good news and you're, you're excited to go share with somebody and you realize that they don't think that good news is as good as you thought it was, you know, and it can be pretty deflating or make you pretty defensive. And Peter's in the spot, and rather than being deflated or defensive, which I kind of expected Peter to be a little defensive, you know, that seems a little bit in his character, but instead Peter is like, this is, this is what happened. And he goes on to tell the story step by step. And when Peter begins the story, he says, I was in Joppa praying, and a vision came. And I have no idea what Peter was praying, but my guess is he didn't think a vision of sheet with animals was going to be the way his prayer would be answered. But that's what happens. This sheet full of all these animals comes down, and it's clean and unclean mixed together. And he hears this voice that says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response immediately is, by no means, Lord, for nothing unclean or profane has entered my mouth. And for Peter, this wasn't a matter of just rules for the sake of rules. This was a matter of these boundaries, these food laws are what, what signified who belonged to the family of God, who was in and who was out. It was a matter of holiness. And for Peter, he's like, Lord, I, I belong to the family of God. The Gentiles are the ones that eat the unclean meat. I don't. I won't. But of course, we hear this voice that says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And the voice says this three times. I think because Peter, like us, needs to hear things a couple times, you know, before it clicks. And for Peter, in this moment, I can't even begin to imagine how disrupting this would have been, how shocking, how paradigm-shaking. What do you mean, Lord, that what you call clean, I must not call profane. This is, shatters everything I thought I knew to be true about the Jewish law. Lord, what is, what is going on? And the vision ends with the sheet going back up to heaven and immediately these men from Caesarea come saying, Peter, come with us. And Peter, still really disoriented, brings six of his buddies and goes with him to Caesarea. And he enters into the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and Cornelius isn't even mentioned in Peter's retelling. You get like more of his backstory in chapter 10. But all the Jewish audience needs to know about Cornelius is that he's a Gentile. And he lives in a Gentile household. And Peter should not be there. Peter should not be with the Gentiles. But Cornelius tells him that he had a vision. A vision to sin for a guy named Simon Peter. And Peter comes and he begins to speak, and the text tells us that as I, Peter, began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I want us to imagine how shocking this would have been. Peter says, just as it had to us at the beginning. And if you remember at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, it was a wild time. There was tongues of flame. People were speaking in tongues in the different languages of the people around them. And to say that it happened in the same way to these Gentiles, you know, the disciples and the Jewish believers, they didn't get the varsity Holy Spirit, and then the Gentile believers got the JV Holy Spirit. It, it was the exact same spirit, which could only have been a work of God. 
could only have been the power of the resurrection coming through to the Gentiles. And Peter, he turns to the, his Jewish audience and it's kind of like, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed, who am I to hinder God? Who am I to deny the work that God just did? And I love this part in the text when it, the audience, it says, when they heard this, they were silenced. And I can imagine so much loaded into that silence. Could this be true? Could the gospel be for the Gentiles also? Could the resurrection of Jesus be for them too? Could they be a part of the family of God? This like processing in silence. Like, Lord, what? And then quickly their silence, it says, turns to praise. He is surely doing a new thing that even the Gentiles have repentance that leads to life. And as I've been sitting with this text and listening to it this week, I've been asking, how does the story of Peter and Cornelius, Jews and Gentiles, how does that affect us? How does that matter to me and to you? And as I've been thinking about that in light of being an Easter season, I think that to live as resurrection people is to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and as Paul says, that's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that fell on Peter and the disciples, the same spirit that fell on Cornelius and the Gentiles. And I think to live by the power of the Holy Spirit means a lot of different things, truly. But two of the things, I see two things in particular in this text. And the first one is resurrection life by the spirit is surprising, disrupting, and expanding. And I'll give you the second one too. Resurrection life by the Spirit moves us toward people who are different than us. But for the first one, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is surprising, and the Gospels is surprising. Jesus raising from the dead, surprising. The Holy Spirit coming down from heaven, surprising. Gentiles coming into the family of God, shocking, surprising. And it got me thinking, when was the last time I was surprised by the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you were surprised by the Holy Spirit? Because so much of our faith happens in the ordinary and the mundane, and that's not bad. But like, we, like Addie read in that Revelation passage, the Holy Spirit's always doing a new thing. And I just wonder if we forget that sometimes. And I think that there's an invitation for us to ask for the Holy Spirit to surprise us. But sort of as a disclaimer is the way the Holy Spirit often surprises us is through disruption. And through this disruption that actually leads to an expansion. And let's be real, disruption's not really what we're looking for. It doesn't feel like we really want any more disruption in our life. But as I've been sitting with this and thinking about disruption and expansion, I think that it's in the disrupting and the breaking that the Holy Spirit has access to come to the insides, you know? Like the parts of me that I keep guarded and protected, that it's when there's breaking and disrupting and cracks that the Holy Spirit can enter in. And I, I, that's been true of my life. It's in the cracking and the disrupting. We've been singing that song, New Wine. It's in the pressing and the crushing that new wine comes. 
And this past weekend, I, uh, one of those photo memories popped up on my phone, you know, that's like five years ago, this happened, or three years ago, and it was like one year ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened a year ago? And I log on, or I open it up, log on. I open it up, and it's a picture of my car totaled on the side of the road. Uh, not the happy memory I was expecting to come up. And it was this really scary wreck I was in, and it got me thinking about where I was a year ago. And a year ago, I was not in a good spot. I was in this really vulnerable, felt like a really broken spot. It felt like there had been so much disruption and breaking in my life, and I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have hope. And it was in this season that a couple, a couple weeks after that wreck, I was sitting in our parking lot for a Sunday service, because we were still in the parking lot a year ago this time, which is wild to me. But I was sitting in the parking lot, and Ashley was preaching. And she was, it was Pentecost Sunday. She was preaching about the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how to describe it to you other than as she was preaching, I got this sense and the, the whisper of the Holy Spirit that I think I'm going to do that. I think I want to or should or will preach. I think I'll be up there. And immediately I was like, Lord, are you crazy? Do you know the spot I'm in? Do you know how broken I am and how unqualified and how dark of a space I'm in? I could never be up there. Yeah, I felt this invitation from the Holy Spirit to invite him into that brokenness. And what's crazy is that was almost a year ago to the week. A year ago to the week, I would have laughed in your face if you said a year ago I would be here. I wasn't even a fellow. I didn't even know when I got accepted. I hadn't even interviewed. And I don't tell that story to be about me, but to, to say that the Holy Spirit met me in that breaking, met me in the cracking and in the disruption. And I believe that he wants to do the same for you. I don't know what sort of disruption you're experiencing, whether it's the general disruption of the past couple years of our life that collectively we feel, or the personal disruptions and brokenness that you are going through. But I believe that it's in the disruption, in the breaking, in the cracks, that the Holy Spirit wants to come in. That it's, a, it's an access point for him to go in and, and expand our vision. I know for me, in this moment, expanded my vision of who God was and who I was. And I think that's what he wants to do. He wants to enter in our brokenness and expand our vision of who he is and who we are. And for Peter, we see this, Peter and the disciples, we see this breaking in the disruption uh, happening as they, their cultural norms, their paradigms for the world are being shattered and disrupted. Not clean and unclean meat, Jews and Gentiles together, this was so disrupting. And it was in this disruption that the Holy Spirit came and expanded Peter's view of who belonged to the kingdom of God who belonged in the family of God. Which brings us to the second point, that resurrection life by the Spirit moves us towards people who are different than us. 
Because the, the resurrection of Jesus has to mean more than just what it does for me individually. It has to, right? It has to affect the way that we live together. And with Peter, when he starts to tell the Cornelius and his household, he says, Jesus is Lord of all, of all, of Jews and Gentiles, people who couldn't be more different, who couldn't be further apart. And what I love is in, in Acts and the rest of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit coming for the Gentiles wasn't just for the Jewish Christians to live their life and the Gentile Christians to live theirs, parallel existences, same spirit, but we don't actually have to talk to each other ever again. No, rather, the, the Holy Spirit was to join these two people, to bring this two, these two people groups together. It wasn't just a matter of living existing lives, but what does it look like to come together? And I think that for us, our question is, do, are we willing to join together? Are we willing to move towards those who are different than us? Are we willing to recognize that the Spirit of God may be working in somebody who's different than me? Somebody doesn't look like me, doesn't have the same values as me. And in this story, we see this movement, like from a, the micro to the macro, right? There's Peter and Cornelius, and then there's Peter's friends and Cornelius' household. And then it moves out to Jews and Gentiles. And I wonder, do we believe that the micro, the individual relationships matter? That it's our individual relationships actually do affect the macro? Do we believe that? And it's not lost on me that I'm preaching a sermon about moving towards people who are different than us when the horrific incident of yesterday happened, where in Buffalo, New York, a white male killed 10 people, eight of which were black, because he saw difference as a reason to hate. And as I was reading about this last night, I was heartbroken for these, the families of these people who lost someone, and the community who lost someone, in our country, and racial groups, and I, as I was sitting with this, I was just thinking, Lord, have mercy on us if we don't think this matters. If we don't think it matters to move towards people who are different than us. Because what I know and what you know is that if we don't move towards each other, our differences will naturally push us away. And it's in that distance that hatred breeds. We're meant to move towards each other in love. It's in proximity where there is love. And in our culture, in our lives, we of course see so many divisions, not just on racial lines, but I, I can't ignore what happened yesterday and not, not believe that's a violation of the gospel that we believe in. And there's more division, obviously, for us as individuals and as families and friends. And I think we, we all have this idea that we should move closer to each other we should be united, because that's kind of the right thing to do. As good people, we should want to join with other people. But I think it's actually more than just should. I think that I am better when I'm joined with somebody who's different than me. I think you are better when you're joined with something different, somebody who's different than you. 
I think we are more whole when our lives are bound in the lives of others. I see Jesus more clearly when my life is joined with people who aren't different than me. I think we miss out on the kingdom of God when our lives aren't joined with others. And I think until we believe that living and joining with others is actually the best way, not just the right way, but the best way, until we believe that, I think our movement towards each other will just be a little shallow and ingenuine. And I'm not naive to, to think that moving towards each other is easy. Like we said, the spirit is disrupting. It's, it's disrupting to move towards people who are different than us. It's not clear, it's not easy, it's not comfortable. But I think when the spirit moves us towards people in that disruption is when he expands our vision of who he is, of who the kingdom of God is. Hate breeds in our distance, but love grows in our proximity. Our invitation is to move towards those who are different than us. And maybe some of you here know exactly the person you should move towards. You know that coworker or that family member or that neighbor you should move towards. And I, I challenge you to move through the disruption, to move towards that person, believing that the Holy Spirit will meet you and surprise you and expand your vision. And maybe some of us here, if we're thinking about moving towards someone who's different than us, can't even think of anybody. Because so often we, we insulate our lives with people who are like us. And so it's hard to even think about who to move towards. And what I believe is that if the Spirit of God moves us towards people who are different, that if that's a part of resurrection life, I think we can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us people to move towards to bring people that we can move towards. If that's what he has called us to do, he will bring it. We just need to invite him in and pray for that. And as we close our time, I want us to reflect on what resurrection life by the Spirit means for you. I'm leaning into what it means for me. And I have, I have these three reflection questions. The first one is, how may the Spirit, Holy Spirit be wanting to surprise you? Because he does. He wants to do a new thing. And how may the Spirit be disrupting and expanding in your life? And third, who is the Holy Spirit inviting you to move towards? My hope is that as we reflect on these questions and invite the Holy Spirit into these spaces, that we will have a deeper vision of what life by the Spirit, resurrection life looks like. Because I think that's what we all want. We want to be Easter people. Amen.